Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter 10, and we'll be in verses 23 through 25. Um, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, I encourage you to follow along in the Pew Bible, and you can turn to page 1,194 to, to follow along. Again, that's 1,194, Hebrews 10, verse 23. And then if you're visiting with us and you don't own a Bible, uh, we want that Pew Bible. We're giving it to you. We want you to take it home with you. We, we believe in the power of God's word and don't want you to leave here without it. It's towards the back. If you got to Revelation, you went too far. If you're still in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you're not far enough. Some guideposts. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, and there it's written. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would please join me in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. So we've been exploring dry seasons within our faith life during this month of June. And what we've come to realize is we don't have to have a faith for very long before we might hit one of these dry seasons. And chances are most of you sitting here today has had to navigate at least one dry season so far within your life. But as we continue, and, and we continue looking at this, what, what we want to do is help cultivate a faith so that the next time a dry season comes up, that we're able to navigate it and, and be more resilient and to persevere through it with complete joy as we do so. Uh, in 2017, the Barna Research Group, which does research on American churches and, and Christianity worldwide, they, they did a study in 2017, and in that study, they found that 65% of believers that are Christians, 65% of believers have faced doubts within their faith. And I want to know who those other 35% are, Right? So 65% were honest to an anonymous survey, <laughs> essentially, right? Doubting our faith, it, it comes through and it comes in different ways, waves. And it, and it doesn't have to be some sort of big existential crisis where, where we have to go through a deconstruction of our whole faith so that we can get to the very core and rebuild it up. But it can come in a very slight passing or it can feel like a dark valley, during those seasons. I remember a few of those myself. I think back to when I was in high school. Uh, one of the earliest ones I, I can remember, in fact, it, it was after Columbine had happened, which uh, really didn't surprise me much being a teenager in that day and time, uh, but it was when Wedgwood Baptist Church and their youth group 
uh, were fired upon there in Fort Worth, Texas, that I began wondering about God and his motives. And I had, I was lucky enough, I had a Sunday school teacher in my dad's church, Miss Marjorie. And Miss Marjorie was able to set aside her lesson that Sunday and just talk with me, to work with me and, and answer questions. And, and, and she was there the next Sunday too when I thought about those questions and answers and needed more. And then later in high school, after my junior year, one of my close friends, Scott, suddenly and tragically passed away. And the day after his funeral, I, I went to two weeks worth of church camps. And to say I was angry at God is an understatement. But, but there were definite doubts, again, about God and who he is and his plans for this world. But there were counselors there, adults there, who guided me through, encouraged me during that season. And then as, as an adult, I, I can remember as a pastor specifically that uh, when I was at the pastor at church in Texas, and, and I began to recognize uh, what I had learned in seminary was, was really a progressive alternative to what the Bible has, has taught, and, and I became into some real questions myself. There was, there was Bob and there was Chuck there at the church that I could go to and, and help navigate in my wonderment and in my doubts. How did I get this so wrong? Am I, am I sure this is the right direction? And then here, they're going through all that we've gone through and the transitions and the changes and the conflict. There, there were elders here that I was able to turn to. I was able to spend time with uh, Miss Betty Chinnis and, and with Elder Don Lynn um, during those times and seasons that were really difficult and, and maybe even questioning my own calling in ministry. And they were there to encourage and to lift up and to stir me up. See, there's many factors that can play a role in the challenges of our faith and that can challenge us maybe in hard seasons, dry seasons that lead us to doubt. A moral failure of a, of a pastor or elders plays a, a huge role in people wanting to leave the church and, and, and turning away from their faith. The church conflict, and I remember my dad being a pastor, and the first time I realized that people had um, conflict at meetings in church, I was, I was appalled. I, I go, in the church? Right? We're, we're going to have arguments in the church? But yes, those things really do happen. And, and in the world today, we can look outside of these walls and see that politics continues to divide us among many other things that we are so quick and willing to draw lines in the sands and put stake, stakes in the ground that make us unmovable from positions. And then we can begin to wonder, how does this all add up? We can often be left feeling like outsiders, believing that maybe is this the place we belong? And that's sometimes hard for us to wrestle with and, and deal with, and so maybe we try and glance over, but it, it matters because belonging plays such an important role in our lives, in our faith. 
See, when we search the Old Testament, we can search out people like King David, and we can read the Psalms that he writes, and we can hear from his own pen his doubts of his faith, his wondering, why have you forsaken me, God? His wondering of, do you even hear my prayers anymore? How long must I go on doing this before you do something, God? Must I take action on my own without you? We can look at the prophets Elijah, and we can hear of Jeremiah's call and, and, and recognize that they all felt as outsiders, as if they didn't belong, and yet we see them all restored, renewed in their faith, and found the hope to hold on to. Brene Brown of TED Talk fame and a best-selling author of Daring Greatly. I had the pleasure of being at a conference that she was speaking at one time, and um, uh, she's a confessing Christian. And there at the conference, she said that as, as humans, we, we are wired for, for three essential things, and that is to love, to be loved, and to belong. And that the absence of any one of those three things, we are in suffering. And so here the author of Hebrews, he encourages us. He says, since we have this great high priest. So right before he, he says all of this that we got into today, uh, for this let us, he says, since, since we have this great high priest, because Christ has come and, and bled and died and was resurrected, and we have this high priest who has gone and reconciled us to God, since we have him, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. That is, hold on to Jesus in all things at all times. But he doesn't just leave us there. He pushes us because the author of Hebrew doesn't just write to tell us to rely on ourselves and the strength of our grip on Jesus. But we hear him press. In verse 24, he picks up and he says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The author of Hebrews is encouraging us to be resilient in our faith, while also showing us the way to help others be resilient in their faith by calling us into community together. Essentially, what the author is getting at here is that it is easier for us to hold on to our hope when we belong, when we are loved, and when we love others. Only in Christ, though, do we find true belonging? We know this because we've searched other places. I belong to many Facebook groups. I wouldn't say I truly belong, though, right? We can belong in, in rotary clubs and in, in country clubs. We can belong to, to HOAs. We can belong to high school reunion groups. We can belong to a biker gang. 
But the only place we ever truly belong is in Christ. Because in Christ, we are both truly known, fully known, and fully loved. Fully known and fully loved. For to be known and not loved, that's to be rejected. To be loved and not known is just fitting in. To not be loved and to not be known is to be ignored. But in Christ, in Christ we belong. And so here as the church, as the church, it's, it's our place, it's our people where we belong, where we can be known and we can be loved because everyone gathered here is exactly that, known and loved by Christ, fully without condition. The requirements for entry are Jesus knows my stuff and he loves me. Right? We have stuff, and we have stuff we put in the deep, dark recesses of our souls, and we are unwilling to deal with that pop out at unfortunate times. And Christ knows this, and he loves you. And the church, we as the community, are to be the extension of that belonging as brothers and sisters. Now, don't mistake me. This isn't an acceptance of our sins and of our faults. But rather, this is a knowing and a loving despite them. A love that pushes and presses us forward. Knowing that, that God's got a hold of us. And so that each day in this walk, in dry seasons and in plentiful seasons, that we grow closer to God, and as we do so, we look more like Jesus. As inspiring as that is, we will still encounter times where we feel like outsiders, where the doubt creeps in in our faith. And folks, that's when being connected to the church matters most in our faith. For you see, resilient disciples have meaningful relationships in their lives when the going gets tough. That's why the author of Hebrew tells us we aren't to neglect to meet with one another. In worship, in fellowship, in small groups, in Bible study, in prayer, not to neglect each other. One of my pastor friends, uh, he, he has this understanding of the church and relationships and, and what it means to truly be connected. He says that like T-Mobile, once in a day, we all have a circle of five close friends, right? We all have that five close friends. That, and these are the five friends, the five relationships we have that, that when, when things hit the fan, when, when things get out of control and our life has gone sideways, these are the five first phone calls we make. And as you're sitting there thinking of them now, the encouragement is this, is that we are to strive, that of those five phone calls, three of them 
are here in our faith community. Because we're known and we are loved and we belong here. That we can reach out to our brothers and sisters in Christ that we worship with, fellowship with, study the Bible and pray with, we're in small group with, that we're hanging out with at dinner and at homes. And we can reach out and make that phone call. And say, you know what? Everything's gone sideways and I need to talk to you. And we want those three people because that's what the author of Hebrews tells us to do, to be encouraging, to stir one another up. But we can't be known if we're never here. And we can't love someone truly if we don't know them. And so it requires some work on our part to get to know people and to show up. Barna Research says in a, in a study recently done in 2020, they, they showed in their study that teenagers who grow to have a resilient faith, a faith that carries through their, their young adult years and into their adult years, that 80% of them had a meaningful relationship with an adult in the church that wasn't a staff member and it wasn't one of their own parents. That there was someone like Miss Marjorie in my Sunday school class willing to pour into them, to care for them and build them up that they could go to with questions that maybe they had concerns about. Because we're more than just fellow church members. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And Jesus is our friend. And, and so we are to be friends like Jesus. Stirring one another up to love and to good works. Encouraging each other until the very day arrives. For dry seasons when they happen and and. and doubt creeps into our faith and we have a sense of being an outsider, having loving and caring friends in Christ to encourage us, reminds us of our belonging to our great God. Their encouragement reminds us that we are loved unconditionally by God. Their support pushes us to love others as Christ has done for us. This COVID pandemic, which one day I hope we're done talking about, right? We're all tired of hearing of it. But it's had profound effect on all of us and on the generations younger than us that we haven't even seen fully manifested yet. The pandemic comes and, and we shut everything down and uh, hid, stayed away from others. And then when we did see others for a long while, we only saw them veiled in a mask. And sometimes with people, it's hard to tell if they're scowling at you or smiling at you.
Folks, we weren't created and designed to stay away at a safe distance. We need to be together, loving each other, knowing each other, encouraging one another in Christ, because that's where we belong. That's where we've been called. We haven't been called to the world. We've been called from it. We've been called from it to be together in Christ. And we see this in God himself. For in God himself, he showed us true love because he didn't keep a safe distance from us. He came to us in Jesus. And he was born and he bled and he died and he was resurrected. And when Jesus ascended, he said, wait, because my spirit comes to be with you. God does not leave us alone. He comes to us. And so, now he calls us together. Amen.